welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many love you some Jesus? Yeah? Amen. Um, I want to talk about the word oneness. Everybody say oneness. Oneness. You say unity. I like the word oneness. I think scripture talks about oneness a lot. Um, Last week, uh, Tim Cole, he's a coach, came out of of coaching baseball. His wife is also a college coach, uh, coaching in the college ranks. He he coached in the college ranks of baseball. She coached in the college ranks of volleyball. And they took a big step of faith, leaving college athletics coaching and going into a, a group called AIA, Athletes in Action. And so he's gonna be, and she's gonna be over all of volleyball and baseball collegiate operations uh, in the United States, which is a really, really cool thing. And uh, I, I watched him as he got up and as a coach, he started off, you guys remember, he started off and he said, I'm a coach, so I'm gonna get you guys in this coach mentality. And he says, give me a power clap on one. You guys remember that? And he got a couple hundred people to do exactly what he said, all right? He says, give me three on three, boom, boom, boom. Everybody did it. I'm like, I can't believe he gets up there within 30 seconds, he gets your heart to do exactly what you do, right? So I coach a little bit, right? Coach fifth grade football. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, I should be able to do this with my kids too, right? 27 fifth graders, couple hundred people. If Tim can do it, I can do it, right? So I was trying to get our fifth grade football team the other day to understand the difference between being the hammer or the nail, all right? Now in football, it's a terminology, do you wanna be the hammer and do the hitting or do you wanna be the nail and get hit? And everybody's still supposed to say, I wanna be the hammer, I wanna do the hitting, right? And so I'm fired up and I'm pumping the kids up and I'm like, are you the hammer, are you the nail? And my son, out of all of them, he says, I'm the nail. Like, oh my goodness, where have I failed as a father? And I go, what do you mean you wanna be a nail? And he goes, it's sharp and it goes into the wood. I said, I didn't say anything about wood. I said, do you wanna be a hammer or a nail? This started all 27 boys going, well, that makes sense. I wanna be a nail too because the nail goes into the wood. And I was like, I did not bring up wood. I said, do you wanna be a hammer or a nail? I didn't say anything about wood. Do you wanna get hit or do you wanna be hit? What do you wanna do? Well, I just think the nail's sharp. Just run, run. Just get out of my sight and run, all right? And it showed me something in this moment, okay? What it showed me in this moment is it's difficult to get 27 boys to do exactly what you want them to do, let alone an entire church to have oneness and unity in the spirit, amen? Today we're gonna talk about oneness. Same thing as kind of unity. You can use the word unity. I like the word oneness because I believe scripture talks about having oneness in heart. And, and as I was thinking about today and, and about how difficult it is for the body of Christ to be in unity and oneness with one another, that story just reminded me it's difficult to get people unified and in one heart, amen? And, and so as we kind of talk about this idea of oneness in Christ, oneness in the spirit today, I just wanna lay some groundwork. I wanna be informational today and then I wanna be operational next Sunday. I wanna talk about a little information of Christ. And so we know, if we talk about operationally, how does this look in the body uh, of Christ? And so we know, if you've been around the block at all recently, you know that we've been in some increasingly uh, volatile times in our nation. We know that. Everywhere you go, I was talking with a gal the other day, and uh, she'd been off Facebook for, for two, three months, and uh, said, I'm just gonna take a break from it, gets back on, and she goes, it's the same nonsense, right? 
It's just the same nonsense. You get on and it's, it's politics, it's this, it's division, it's this, it's this, it's this. And so we're living in these times where it's just going more and more volatile in this idea of division and disunity. And so in my prayer time, we've been studying through the book of Acts and we're working through it in one of our men's groups as well. And as we're studying the book of Acts, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm reading the words and I'm like, what is the difference here? Like, what's the difference between what I'm reading in the book of Acts and what we're experiencing? I mean, we have the same Holy Spirit within us. Pentecost was poured out. Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. We have the Holy Spirit in us. What is it that we're missing? What's going to shift the tide from standing up on a Sunday morning or going in home and doing your devotion times and spending time with the Lord? What's going to shift the tide and move us into what we've been praying for, Right? What's going to do it? And I'm asking myself, and it's like I'm reading through the book of Acts, chapter 4, chapter 5, and all of a sudden my spirit kind of jumps out, and I'm going, that's it? It's what Jesus prayed in John 17, and it's what was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, and then we read throughout. And it's this identity of oneness and unity in the body of Christ. And I want to show you what I mean by this. It's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Look what he says. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Aaron was the high priest, down on the collar of his robe. When you anointed, Jesus' head was anointed. When you anoint, or, or, or David's head as the king, when you anoint somebody with oil, you're honoring them and you're bestowing that anointing of God on their life. And he's going, when God's people live in unity, there's an anointing. Listen to church, and he goes on. He says, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. There is a blessing that falls on a unified people. There's a blessing that falls on a unified church. And there's a, there's a, a, a Peanuts cartoon, if you guys ever uh, watched those uh, or, or saw those Peanuts cartoons. I've used this before with Linus and Lucy. Do you guys remember this one? He's, she's staring at Linus. She says, these five fingers, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. You guys remember that? And then the other one is Linus, and he's looking down his finger, and he goes, why can't you be organized like that? I just, I love that. I've shared that before. I love that because there's so much power when we come together and believe in this thing that God calls oneness in heart. Amen? Unity and oneness in heart in the body. There's this indicator that you'll read all through scripture that when oneness is present in the body of Christ, when unity, when oneness is present in the body of Christ, the spirit moves on a whole different level. I'm just telling you right now, you read it. it, it scripture says where two or three are gathered in you individually, he does. There I am with them also. Like it's not that he doesn't want to work in you individually, he does. He absolutely wants to work in you individually. But there's a whole nother level when God's people get together and they're unified with one mission in their heart, and that's Jesus. There's something that happens in that moment that's just a whole different level. The problem is getting oneness into the body of Christ is incredibly difficult. It shouldn't be. 
But we've all got our things that we're after and our things that are vying for our attention and our affections and, and our devotions. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit into this. I kind of like prayer, Bible study, eh, whatever. So we're all kind of going our different directions. We all can agree we love Jesus. But when it comes to one heart, one mind, sold out, he's it, this is where we're at, and this is what we're talking about today, it's difficult for us. And so if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 17. We're going to work through this, and then John, uh, we're going to jump from John 17 to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to try to get there quickly. John 17, um, I want you to imagine this. We, we've gone through Jesus' prayer. This is high priestly prayer. You're eavesdropping on Jesus through John. John's listening and he's recording what Jesus is praying. You're eavesdropping on Jesus as Jesus is on his knees in the garden right before he's arrested and crucified. So if you wanna know God's heart right before Jesus is put on the cross and then eventually crucified and then three days later rises from the grave, if you wanna know what Jesus is praying for before he cries out those last words, it is finished, go right here to John chapter 17. And what you'll see is that he'll start, start off and he'll pray for his disciples first. So in John 17, Jesus on his face and he's praying to his father. So you're gonna see this cool picture of God the Father, God the Son in correlation. I'm just gonna say this, because I'm gonna say it again later on. Whenever Jesus prayed, he was always answered by his father, amen? There was never a time where Jesus prayed and then God's like, yeah, I just don't think I'm gonna answer that. Because they're a triune being, they're one in three, one person three, because of this, Jesus would pray and God always answered Jesus' prayers because Jesus was always after the Father's heart. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing, only speak what I hear my Father speaking. So there was a unity in that. So Jesus is praying to God the Father and he says this in verse eight. He's praying for his disciples first. I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I am from you and they have believed that you sent me. So I wanna stop there. So the foundation that Jesus is saying that they're disciples is that first of all, they believe that Jesus was sent from God. So that, that separates the, them right now in terms of they believe that he's the Messiah, whereas the, the other Jews in the area, they didn't believe that. Right? They're still waiting on the Messiah. So they believe that Jesus is the coming Messiah sent by God, and they believe the truth in which Jesus spoke. So it goes, this is the groundwork. They believe in the truth that I spoke, and they believe in who I am and that you sent me. Okay? And then he starts going through, and he says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. Now, I want you to hear this for just a minute. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. We're going to come back to that in just a second. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So all of a sudden, we see this prayer where Jesus is crying out to the Father, saying, I want to see such a oneness in them in the same way that there's a oneness in you and I. And you cannot separate Jesus, and you cannot separate God, and you cannot separate the Holy Spirit from one another. And Jesus is crying out, saying, I want that kind of oneness in the believers here on planet Earth. Now here's what's cool. I'm gonna jump down for time's sake. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
So the basis in which we're looking for oneness at church, I just wanted you to hear this. The basis in which we're looking for unity and oneness is on the truth of God, not our own truth. Is on what Jesus says, not on what we say. Is on what Jesus did, not on what we think we do. The basis of all of this is birthed in us believing in Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. Okay, now all of a sudden he shifts gears. He's like, so this is what I want from the disciples. And then Jesus has this foresight to pray, not just for the disciples, but for you and I. Look what verse 20, look what he says here. I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples, but for those who will believe in me through their word. You see, Jesus knew that if the disciples believed this truth, that if the disciples got this, that if it was deep-seated in their life, they would give everything up, they would give everything up to go and follow the commission that he put on their heart. And because of that, you and I are believers today. Because the disciples believed this, they would go and give their lives up so that the gospel message would go to the ends of the earth. That's why we're believers today. That's how Paul became a believer and then went on his missionary journeys and so on and so forth. That's why we've got millions and millions and millions and millions of Christians on planet earth right now. Because they believed it. So he says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Listen to what he says. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. And just to make sure that we get it, he prays it a second time. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become, and then he uses the word, perfectly one. Listen to this, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That's a crazy prayer. That is an absolute crazy prayer. Jesus is in such total oneness with his father that that's why every single thing that he prayed for was granted and fulfilled unhindered because God was gonna answer every prayer. They were in such oneness together. In John chapter three, it says that God gave Jesus the Spirit, Holy Spirit without limit, okay? That, that, that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without limit and God gave us Jesus, which means we have the Spirit alive in us, so what do we have? The Spirit without limit, Amen. But there is something about oneness for this thing to come in the way that it came with Jesus. There's something about oneness that we've got to grab a hold of. There's something about unity that we've got to grab a hold of. I want you to hear this. I'm going to tell you right now with all of my heart that I believe what we're missing right now in this next step as we're pursuing the Lord is it's not just about my personal relationship. That's the start. But it's about a corporate relationship with one another as well. I'm gonna tell you right now, I believe that when Jesus was arrested and they're hanging on his words, they're listening to this and they're going, man, in just a few minutes, they're about to be fractured. Peter's gonna go his way, some of the others are gonna go hide out. They're all gonna kind of go their different directions. They're gonna be hiding out in fear. But then just a few days later, Jesus is gonna come, reveal himself to them, and then 50 days later, you're gonna see them in an upper room, and something happens where the Spirit of God moves, and what's birthed in that room is what begins the birth of, uh, 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 the start of Acts, the first church. Now, I heard a guy the other day, he was talking about this, and he says this, 
What we're struggling with right now in this unity thing, Jesus is praying oneness. He's praying that we would be together. He says the world isn't seeing anything different in the church when it comes to this issue of unity. That's what he says. So because of that, we're void of a testimony. Revelation, it says that we overcome by the power of the blood, Jesus, and the word of our corporate our testimony, individual testimonies that are built. Unity in our own churches. We're str- and so because of this, what's happening is we're struggling with unity in our own churches. We're struggling with unity in our own faith, in Christian faith out there. We're struggling with unity. And so what's happening is the world is not seeing this supernatural oneness that the first church had. That's because it was showing a power that was not available in this world. There was a power that was coming in to the first church that the world could not find in and of themselves. And so they're watching it going, how are all of these people from different backgrounds coming together? That's why I love reading about the churches in the book of Acts. Churches like the Philippian church or the Thessalonian church or, or the Ephesian church. I love reading about it. The, the, the Philippian church started with a slave girl, a jailer, and a rich gal. Three people in three, three distinct areas of life, very diverse, but all centered on the aspect that God wrecked their heart. And so this oneness, this oneness that we're missing out on, I'm wondering if it's because we're not showing a testimony that transcends the culture. We're giving the same testimony as the church that the culture finds every day in their life, which is division and disunity. And he goes on and he says, the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one. I believe that that part of that glory that's on the followers of Jesus that gets us there is that we have to understand that this is a Holy Spirit thing. This is not a man-made thing. We're not gonna sit here and say, let's try to be more unified. We're not gonna sit here and say, let's just try harder. This is you and I setting our sights on Jesus, trusting in the Holy Spirit's movement in our life to bring us closer together as one body operating for the things that he desires and not what we desire. So, so, So if we're working through this, this is the kind of oneness that Jesus desires in his body. It supersedes everything, every kind of unity that the world can try and give you. I said this in the first service. I promise you that no president, senate, or congress is going to change the state of our world. But a king who controls it all will. And his name is King Jesus. And when we can start focusing on deeper knit together, and things going to begin to happen where we're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper knit together. And here's the thing. Satan knows this. I want you to hear this. Satan knows that if the church comes together in this kind of a unity, there, there's a fear that he has. He saw in the first church. He saw men and women walking around. He saw the lame walk. He saw demons cast out. He saw what happens when the church comes together in such unity and he does not want this which is why he will do everything he can to bring division and disunity it's why he fights so hard against the body of Christ to try to keep us from loving one another because he knows what it'll do there's a quote that I read it says whenever God does something significant through his people listen to this 
Whenever God does something significant through his people, the most likely and severe, severe counterattack will come in the area of unity, specifically broken relationships. That Christian person wounded me. That brother that I thought was in Christ hurt me. That sister said something over me. The church did, wasn't there for me or whatever. And all of a sudden what happens is that little discord of, of disunity begins to build up in the body of Christ. And it pulls us away. Why? Because Satan knows if I can just pull them apart a little bit. If I can just get them away from each other a little bit, where they're not in one accord, where they're not in one heart, where they're not in one mind, if I can just pull them a little bit and get them focused on their hurt, their wound, their stuff, their possessions, whatever, then I know that they're not gonna be the powerful tool that God can use them for. So where Christ calls us to oneness, the enemy calls us to division. The enemy is always after a counterfeit work of Christ, always. If Jesus is doing this, he's gonna to try to counterfeit this on the other side. So if Jesus calls us to love um, people, the enemy is calling us to what? Hate people. If Jesus calls us to forgive, the enemy calls us to unforgiveness. If Jesus calls us to hope, the enemy wants to call us to hopelessness. If Jesus calls us to peace, the enemy wants to call us to try to stir things up, amen? And so we see that this, there's this counterfeit work that the enemy's trying to put on us, and sometimes he'll try to stamp it in a way that looks good to us, like, yeah, yeah, we've gotta get after them and really not like them, right? And so all we're trying to say, and I believe that scripture's trying to say here, is that when this oneness comes over the body of Christ, we begin to see Jesus work things out like never before. Now, all that said, I wanna say this, because it's important. I'm not talking about unity for unity's sake. Okay, we're gonna be a diverse, a little bit diverse group. You may like hymns, some of you may like choruses, right? I don't care. You may like good teaching, some of you may say, nope, I want a preacher, that's great. We're not talking about the little variances of what you like or, or, or what you don't like. We're talking about the unity that's centered around being sanctified through the word of God, amen, and believing who Jesus says he is. This is the oneness that we're talking about. There, you got all these other things out there that are gonna vie for your attention. Do you know there's 30,000 Christian denominations out there? So Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit, God pours out his Holy Spirit, Acts chapter two, there's one church, one church in that first whatever group of people, there's one church, and now here we are 2,000 years later, there's 30,000 variations of what that looks like. And we wonder why we're so fractured. Because this is our denomination. Like, we love you guys. We think you guys will make it into heaven. Come on, you grew up in a denomination, right? Like, we're pretty sure you'll make it in, right? We don't know for sure. Like, I wouldn't be there. But, like, we're pretty sure. Like, but it's really about what we believe. Well, you got your other ones going. Like, we're pretty sure you won't make it in, but we'll tell you you will, right? Kind of, You've got all these denominations that, 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 that are doing their own thing, and yet Jesus is going, you, you, you want to move? You want to see movement? You want to go back to the book of Acts? Then you've got to bring a oneness in heart again, not your denominational stand. I believe in good theology. I believe in the theology of Jesus. I believe in good theology. I believe we've got to have the right non-negotiables. I believe that. But I'm saying most of the time that we're fighting, arguing, and in disunity is over things that literally God's going, you're like two-year-olds, right? And so 
Jesus prays, and how many know that when Jesus prays, God will always, when Jesus prays, God will always answer his prayer? How many of you guys know that? Yeah? So Jesus prays, gets his answer, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, we talked about that, and then what follows is the cool part. Listen to what he says here. Listen to what he says here. It's so cool. And, and 50 days later, after Pentecost, or 50 days later, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and then jump into Acts chapter four, and look what happens, okay? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Peter and John are going, they heal a crippled man, they help him up, you know, he's restored, 42 years been crippled, help restore his legs, and because of that, they're arrested. The religious leaders don't like it, the religious leaders are going, we don't like that you're, you're healing people in the name of Jesus. It was all about the name of Jesus, by the way. That's what they were frustrated. So they tell, they flog them, have them beat, and they tell Peter and John, do not speak of the name of Jesus any longer. Don't do it. So of course, Peter and John walk away, and they go and they tell all their friends, we were beaten for the love of Jesus. <laughs> we were beaten for Christ. And the church begins to pray, and in Acts chapter 4, 29, here's what it says. Here's what they prayed. And now, Lord, look upon the threats of these people and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Listen to this. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant. And in verse 31, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in situations. Lord, we want to speak with boldness, but you got to take care of our situation first. They didn't ask the Lord to take them out of the world. They didn't pray, God, would you just secure me in my job and finances and family and friends? Get there. They simply prayed. Get radical for you. They didn't pray that prayer. They simply prayed, give us the boldness to proclaim Christ regardless of whatever danger or persecution we go through. It's you, it's you, it's you. And we trust that. One heart. One heart. It's you, it's you, it's you. And we trust that everything else will be taken care of. When that happened, the place that they were in was shaken. Like this isn't like shaken before. Kind of shaken. It was shaken. Do you guys hear me? You guys been at a prayer meeting where something has shaken before? Like, that's what I want to see happen. And I just don't believe that this was for that time. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that, well, it happened because it was just in that time. I believe that what happens when there's a radical unity in Christ, and you and I get off of our own things that we're chasing after, our own desires, whatever, and we get this oneness of Jesus coming into our eyesight. He's all we want. He's all we need. This is it. This is it. This is it. When that begins to happen, I think we'll come to churches, prayer meetings, Bible studies, life groups, whatever. Like, I'm talking family connection nights because you guys are going to come. I think, literally, I think the place can be shaken when we're in oneness. Because I trust Jesus at his word. I trust God at his word. It's a big deal because this is what happened following that in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, or one heart and one mind, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was now my house. I tell you right now, my house, my car, my 401k, my bank account. That's how we look. Could not be done in any other way but through the power of Christ. 
They were praying for boldness. They were singular focused. They had oneness in heart. It's all about you. And the full number, probably 20, 30,000 believers, if you add them up through the book of Acts up to this point in time, let's just say 20, 30, 40,000 believers in this moment had one heart and one soul. We have a few hundred people, and I'm going, God, if you can do it with 20, 30, 40,000 people, surely you can do it with a few hundred. And then it can spread to a few hundred more and a few hundred more, and a few hundred more. And when they had all these things in common, because they had one heart and one soul, it says that nothing that they owned belonged to them because it belonged to Jesus and they had everything in common. And then guess what they did? They sold lands and houses and all these different things. The disciples were sharing testimonies, and they brought all the things that they had, and they distributed it as was needed. Let me tell you something. This is the testimony right here that nobody had need I'm not going to ask, but if I were to have you, raise your hand, you have need in this room? I mean, we'd have hands going up. I've got needs. I've got needs. I've got needs. I've got needs. There was something that happened in this moment where the church came together in unity and oneness. Holy Spirit broke out, and because of that, it was a supernatural thing. And all of what Jesus prayed for in John 17, then the world will know who I am and that you sent me. All of these outsiders are looking in. 3,000 people come to know Jesus. 5,000 people come to know Jesus. There are just astronomical numbers when you're reading through the book of Acts of how many people came to know Jesus in a moment. Because they're going... That's not normal. There's no way that that happens in any other context but through a supernatural way. They had such a deep sense in such a large community, such a deep sense of unity. I've got two brothers growing up with three boys in the house. We couldn't even decide on what cereal we liked. I was Captain Crunch. Ryan was Lucky Charms. Brandon was weird, right? So, like... We could, why is unity so difficult? Because the enemy has tried to sow so many seeds. Don't get unified. Don't get unified. Don't become one. Don't become one. Because if you become one, then the world's gonna know who Jesus is. And I'll say it one more time. This is not something that can be done by human effort. Preaching a sermon is not going to do it to you. Going to a Bible study on unity is not going to do it. It's not something that's going to do, be done by human effort. It's you and I trusting in Jesus, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and bring us closer together, knowing that you're going to be sitting side by side with people that do life a bit different maybe than you. Not, and I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not saying maybe they believe in the Bible. Maybe I'm saying we're all centered on this, amen? But I'm saying like maybe you don't have everything that you thought you had in common and you're laying everything down going, it's not about this, it's not about my job, it's not about this, it's not about this, not about this. And I have everything in common with him. What do I have everything in common with? We both love Jesus and we wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit. Unity does not mean Conformity. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. I'm not saying that we're supposed to conform. Be like everybody else. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we're setting our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. And when this happens, I'll close out with this real quickly. When this happens, okay, 
There's a guy named Barnabas came, sold his stuff. They give a testimony of him. He sold his stuff. He laid it out to the, the, uh, the apostles' feet. They distributed. They gave a p- cool testimony when that happens. And then in chapter 5, they give a testimony when somebody tries to bring in disunity, division. You guys know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? It's a harsh story. Every time I read this, I'm like, ah, oh, Lord, I feel like I have done worse things. So Ananias and Sapphira, right after they're talking about how they all had things in common and there's unity, they, they tell a testimony of Ananias and Sapphira who went and sold a piece of their property and they had committed in their heart that they were gonna give it all to the Lord. Lord, we're gonna sell this, it's all for you. It wasn't about the disciples, or the apostles. It, was a, it was all for the Lord. And then all of a sudden something checked in Ananias' heart and he goes, you know what, I'm gonna keep a little bit for myself. So Peter addresses them in verse three and he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain in your own? It, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he died, breathed his last breath. And great fear came upon all this herd. And I read that and I'm like, oh, I'm grieved for this guy. It was his stuff. And the thing is, this had nothing to do with prosperity. You know, I, too many, I think too many people have preached out of this and made it sound like, see, you gotta give the church all your stuff. And that's not what this is about. This is about Ananias who told the Lord, like, I wanna be in on this unity thing and I wanna give you everything that I have. So I'm gonna sell this thing and give it to you. And then something happened. A little bit of division was in his heart. Like, maybe I'm not gonna do this unity thing. His wife comes in shortly after. Peter asks her the same things. She lies, falls dead. And it says in verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard these things. I'm like, that's harsh. But it was a unity issue or a little bit of weeds, weed seed that can ruin the whole crop and grow up and choke it out. It wasn't that the Lord was trying to be harsh. It was that there was this supernatural thing happening in the church and thousands of people day by day by day were coming to know who Jesus was and a little bit of disunity was trying to sneak in. Just a little bit of division. Here we are 2,000 years later we see 30,000 little bits of division that have tried to sneak in all over the place. So I'm asking this question to myself of going, Lord, why, why, why are we reading, why are we just reading about things that we should be experiencing? been a pastor for 20 years I've seen God do some amazing things but I'm talking about on the level that I read about in scripture and I'm going God I want to see it in my generation I want to see it and I just believe that what he's saying is in my heart come together get this oneness thing down Be unified with one another. 
find brothers and sisters that are like-minded in Christ. I'm not talking about go outside it. I'm saying find those lovers of Jesus. Get a singular focus. Invite the Holy Spirit into your presence and watch me move. Get a oneness in the body again. Break down walls of hostility between churches. Break down walls of hostility between pastors. Break down walls of hostility between I go here and you go here. Between this church on this corner and that church on that corner. Come together in oneness. Know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah who's come from God. Trust that the words he said were true. And watch the Holy Spirit move. And when that happens, in this generation, we will see God move. close your eyes and I'll pray over you and, and when I do I'm going to ask you I'm going to challenge you where is there division in your heart where is there disunity in your heart where have you planted your tent stake and you said this is look this is it I don't care I'm after my thing I'm after my stuff I'm after my gain I'm after my I'm after my I'm after my where is it that the Lord is trying to break that selfish ambition vain conceit where is it that he's telling you, man, you got to come together. We want to see Book of Acts play out. We've got to come together in this identity of oneness. Where is it that the church has hurt you and so you've written some things off? Some Christian has hurt you, so you've written them off. Where is it that disunity and division has come in on a personal level? And I'm going to ask you to pray over that today. And then I'm going to ask you to shift your focus from a personal level to a corporate level. And I'm going to ask you to pray with us today that we begin to break walls down between brothers and sisters of Christ that may worship over at this church or this church or this church, but because they're not here, maybe we're... I'm, I'm going to pray we break those walls down. And then we say, Jesus, we're after you. Holy Spirit, come do your thing. The band's going to play. I'm going to invite you to be in your seat. Get on your face, you get on your knees, you can stand if you want to, but I'm asking you to truly dig deep in your heart and ask where those places of disunity and division are. So Father, we pray that you would awaken our hearts, awaken our hearts. I don't wanna point my finger at the other person or the other side or the other thing. I don't wanna point my finger at the other, the other, the other and say, they've gotta make changes. I wanna point my finger at my heart and say, Lord, where is it in my own life that I've created division? Where is it in my own life that I've created disunity? Where is it in my own life that I have not been one with the body of Christ? I've been playing this game in my own way. And Lord, I, I wanna lay that down today. I pray Jesus that this church would see that when we come together, right here starts here, it overflows God into the west side of Wichita. It overflows then into all of Wichita. It overflows into the state of Kansas and then far beyond the state of Kansas into the nations and far beyond the nations to the rest of the world. That when oneness comes, that Jesus, your prayer, Father, that they would become one as we are one, then the world will know me. That we'll see that happen. So Jesus, I pray for that revelation today. Let's sing over us. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.